0: This morning, probably one of the most controversial messages I will have ever heard and for certain have ever said. And it stemmed out of a really interesting confrontation I had last week. Do you guys remember me saying that last week I stepped in a lot of dog poop, proverbially, and it was just like a, oh my gosh, and I had to try and put all the fires out? Well, it kind of pushed me to Do something that's really radical. And this week we're talking about you were made to be accepted. Last week we talked about you were made to be... What? Anybody remember? To belong. belong. That's exactly right. So belonging and accepted are two different things. You can belong in a family and nobody accepts you. Okay. So being accepted is a big, big thing for us. But here's what happened. Talking to someone... And they asked me a question that had to do with um, a relationship, a relationship that wasn't godly. And then they asked me these words, what do you think? And so I'm giving them the philosophical, the straight, you know, well, well, this and that, and something else, and putting all these pieces together, almost like a puzzle together. And in the middle of my heart, I'm feeling pricked by the Holy Spirit saying, She asked you what you think. You have to tell her the truth. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I don't want to do this. And so I said, Well, we are friends, and I feel like I'm obligated to tell you the truth. That this relationship you're talking about that you're wanting advice on is not a God-honoring relationship. Of course, that was like the brakes squeaking, you know, the car slamming into, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? Well, because it's not God-honoring. Well, but we're all sinners. I'm like, yes. Well, then all sins are the same. Yes, no. And ended up in this whole big tension, if you can't imagine and read between the lines, of where this is. And I ended up just sharing the gospel and what God's heart is and trying my best. And this is what she said, well, you have to prove it to me in the Bible, what you're saying. I'm like, I'm more than happy to. Can I eat my dinner right now? I'll do this tomorrow. I'll look it up, you know. So I went home and I started searching out Because I had in my mind what it was going to say from what I've been told and what I remember reading. And guess what I found out? It doesn't say what I thought it said. The Bible doesn't say what I've been told all my life. So I have a question for us this morning. Can we just read the Bible? Can we just let the Bible be the Bible? And not all of us... I mean, I feel like when Jesus came here and all the... Other rules were added on top of it that he's like, just love your brother and love your God. It's simple. Keep it simple. Can we just read the Bible and let the Bible be our guide? This month, I want to challenge you guys to join me in reading through the book of John as many times as you can. So not all the way through the end, and just just the works of Jesus. Just when he's talking, when he's walking, when he's doing his miracles, can we try to just read that? And once you get to the end, start again. Let's see how many times we can go through reading the book of John, the works of Jesus, where he's walking and talking. Because here's what I'm come to the conclusion. If we're really going to be disciples and followers of Christ, we kind of should know what he did and what he said. And not what we've heard he said, not just bits and pieces out of a message, or I memorized this scripture, but it's just the A part of that scripture. And We leave the B part and the verse before it and the verse behind it out. Can we just try and do this? I challenge you, join me in doing it. So we're made to be accepted. So we're in a school, and I think back to what I was in elementary school and junior high school, and we would go into the gym where the kids are over there learning a great message from Miss Janice this morning. And we'd line up on either side of the gym, and we'd pick a captain. And they'd have these little balls that we're going about to throw and wail at each other and hopefully hit somebody if you're trying, and hopefully not get hit if you're the one that's, you know, wiggling. But they would start picking out people. And what does everybody that's standing in that line want to be? Picked first. You just want to be picked, Right? You want to be accepted. Man, if you're the first one that gets picked, you're like, yeah, baby, we're gonna nail you guys to the wall, you know, and it just starts, the rivalry just goes there. But when you're the last person there, it's kind of like, um, well, all right, come over our team. You don't really feel accepted. Basketball's the same way, right? Everything where we're trying to pick We always want to be accepted. How about your fantasy football teams? Don't you want in the acceptance that your guy's going to do good and it's all going to work out and you're going to win? Right, Andrew? You hope? You don't hope that? Or it's not going so good for you right now? Okay. Can we look at the first scripture this morning Is Romans 3, verse 23? What does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I've heard this all my life. Of course, it's part of the Romans Road. It's part of what we lead people down the road when we're trying to get them to have a relationship with Christ. But it says, for all have sinned. Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, God died for us. So we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We just aren't going to hit the mark. Remember when we talked about the woman that was caught in adultery and Jesus said, go and sin. No more. It's like you missed the mark. Try and hit the mark. We all missed the mark. But even while we were missing the mark, God still died for us. Psalm 139 says, verse 15, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts towards me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. We see that even when we didn't deserve to be accepted, Christ accepted us. Even when we're doing things that would make him go... You're the last one I want to put on my team. He's like, come with me. I choose you. So here's the scripture that I ended up reading. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6. And we're going to start in verse 1. And as I started reading the whole thing and not just pulling one verse out, Paul is talking about we're going to be judges in this realm, in the realm to come, that we're going to judge angels. Verse 1, does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? He's saying if you have a problem with your brother who's a Christian, why in the world would you even dare to take it into court where it's an ungodly person who's going to potentially be judging over you? Do you not know, verse 2, that the saints will judge the world? Skipping down, he goes, on the contrary, you should yourselves wrong and fraud. You do this even to your brethren. You're doing wrong yourselves. You're doing the same things. You're all doing this, and we're doing this even to our brothers. Yes, I know I'm skipping a little bit in there. But here's the context of this whole chapter. He's talking about We're going to be judging the world. We shouldn't be going into the ungodly places. Verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, such were some of you. Isn't that amazing? It's not picking out one person and saying, oh, you did the sin, you can't, you can't recover from this. Or, oh, you, you're the bad person. You're the group of people that are, nope, 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 it's all bad for you. It's got a pretty big list in there. But remember, he's talking about judging. He says, Don't judge. And he's saying all these things. He's basically saying, Why are you trying to judge when it was some of you as well? Remember the parable It says, Why are you trying to take the splinter out of your neighbor's eye when you still got a big old log in your own? But the goodness of the gospel, the rest of verse 11. But you were washed, but you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. The kingdom of God. Hmm. So what is the kingdom of God? Means many things to many people, right? How about it's doing life God's way? God's desire for us to walk in wholeness of life. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came, Jesus, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Can you see a scale with two different things here? The thief comes, he's just trying to steal everything away from you. But I over here am come that you may have life and to have it abundantly. Abundant life, isn't that amazing? Doesn't that sound healthy? Doesn't that sound like something you'd really want? Versus having everything stolen from you and everything you're trying to be killed, you're constantly running for your life. Jesus said in the disciples' prayer in Matthew 10, your kingdom come, your will be done to the Father on earth, where? As it is in heaven. So we're trying to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, To hear. Now, I asked Andrew and I were talking about this. And I asked Andrew, I said, You know, Donald Trump has a lot of money. Everybody's talking about how much money Donald Trump's got. I would really like to be in his inheritance someday when he dies. He goes, Dad, that's impossible. I'd still like to do that, but why is it impossible? Because I'm not in his kingdom, I'm not in his family, I'm not his heir. So I have no right to even think of an inheritance from Donald Trump or Bill Gates or any of the other people that are, you know, gajillionaires. Why? Because I'm not in their family. So the scripture was talking a few minutes ago about your inheritance. Who gets inheritances? Only people who are in the family. So who's the scripture talking to in 1 Corinthians? Believers. Not people that we're shunning away. We should be bringing everybody in, but it's not talking to people who are still in sin. It's talking to people who've accepted Christ, are now seated with God, and haven't got their lives together yet. Does anybody know anybody like that? If you know me, you know somebody like that. I don't have my life together yet. Maybe you do. But he's showing, I believe in that whole thing instead of an exclusionary list. He's showing, hey, even all these things, you may not have the kingdom of God flowing in your life here today, but you're still in the inheritance. The inheritance, remember last week we talked about the prodigal son? He had his inheritance from his father. And what did he do? He squandered it. Remember we talked about that? And what happened to him? He came back and the father. Jesus' parable. The father ran out to meet him. He was still in the family. Jeremiah 29, 11, Everyone knows the scripture if you've been in church for very long at all. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. But can I suggest to you, just because he's got great plans for you doesn't mean you're going to follow them. He has great plans for you. So let's just boil this down. Let's just like break it out in just a little bit here. We all start off as beautiful babies. You saw Vivian running around here. Annabelle's running in around here. And they're just so beautiful, they can do no wrong, right? Everybody that's sitting in here was once that baby. How do we end up with serial killers in the world then when they start off as beautiful babies? Were they born that way? Did they have life experiences that led them down different ways? How are there people who are fornicators? How are there people that have serial relationships, just one relationship after the other and get cheated on and go and get another one? And go, go, it, it, How is this happening? How do people end up in infidelity? Fornicators. How do people end up as drunks? How is that possible? They start with that cute little baby that could do no wrong. Were they born that way? Was he born a drunk? Revilers is one of the other words that was in there. It literally means abusive. So a husband or a wife abusing the other one. All these things that are not evidence of being in the kingdom of God, walking in the inheritance. Proverbs says that sin is pleasurable for a moment, but it turns to gravel in your mouth. So sin, fornicating, adultery, all the different things that they listed there are all fun in the beginning. No one's saying that you're not going to have fun if you go, all the people are out late last night partying and doing all kinds of things in all the different clubs and all the different places of sin that we would look at. They're having fun. They're not saying, oh, this is so terrible, I've got to go out again tonight. They're having fun. But what happens the next day? What happens later that night? I tell you, as driving for Uber and driving around, I get to see a lot of, the beginning the middle and the end and it's not all what it's cracked up to be in the end and all the people that end up in fights the people that end up you know left alone and people mad at each other and this this i mean the scenarios go on and on and on while sin is pleasurable for the moment it's building your house on things that are going to shift so that analogy that Proverbs says, that it turns to gravel in your mouth. Can you imagine gravel in your mouth? It's like, you, you, you can't even get any moisture in there because it's sucking all the moisture out of it. It's like, ugh, what was wonderful tasting now is gravel. It's just like, ah, it's just all crumbling, if you will. Matthew 5 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and rain sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What's it saying there? You're going to have live storms. You're going to have rain. You're going to have just stuff that's coming against you. Whether you're good, whether you're bad, whether you're making good choices, you're making bad choices, the rain is going to come. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Starting with verse 24. It's so weird that everyone has electronic devices, you don't hear any pages turning anymore. <laughs> Used to you could like gauge by when they're there, by when the pages stop turning, and now it's kind of funny. Verse 24. Jesus is telling a parable. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine, what I'm trying to tell you guys, okay, I'm trying to get you to be on our team, I'm trying to get you to be in the kingdom of God, that it's going to come down from heaven. If you listen to my words, it can affect your daily life. If you hear these words and act on them, you may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the same rain came, and the same floods came, and the same winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus is saying, if you hear what I'm saying, if you follow the principles of God, you're going to establish your house on something solid and immovable. If you don't, if you just follow your own way, if you just follow whatever feels good, we're going to do that way, then when it turns into gravel, that's what you're building your house on. And when that same storm comes against you, it's just all going to fall away. I think about the people. I grew up in South Texas, and there's people that would build their houses right by the riverbank. I mean, it's so beautiful, and the sun's out in the summer, But when the rains come, it washes their house away and it's terrible. And you see just, you know, random wood everywhere from their houses. And they're up there crying, oh, we lost our house. We lost everything. Okay. Then they build the house in the same stinking spot and do the same thing again. Everybody up and down there, I'm like, did you not learn? The rain is coming again. Imagine if you never saw. house built on the rock, and all you know is, well, we build it, and when it blows away, we'll just build it up again. As I was thinking about that, isn't that kind of what serial dating and serial relationships are? You just go out there, and you date, and you find somebody It doesn't work out. Oh, everything's just swept out from underneath you. Well, let's just go, and we'll keep doing the same things we've been doing that aren't working out for us very well. But for sure, the rains are going to come. If it feels good, do it. I can tell you, Krispy Kreme donuts feel good. I think you guys would agree with me. Um, I didn't watch to see who all was partaking in the goodness this morning. But um, I think that there's probably some missing from the boxes back there. And it's good for this morning, for one day a week maybe, to have a Krispy Kreme donut or five but what if we just ate Krispy Kreme donuts every single day? Oh, it would taste good, wouldn't it? There would be no problem in the uh, our glands just enjoying and eating all that up, and our taste buds would just be in heaven every single day. And I have a friend I went to Christ for the Nations with, and he goes, if you loved me then, he goes, you'll love me a lot now, because there's a lot more of me to love. That cracked me up. But um, there would be a whole lot more of us to love if we ate Krispy Kreme donuts every day, right? But that would be a choice that we made. What about wine or alcohol? The Bible says 52 scriptures about wine and alcohol. Two are bad, and the rest of them are just like, well, cautionary tale. Well, so if you drink a cup of red wine with with your dinner at night and it's okay, or if you drink 700 glasses a day, There's a problem. Maybe. I don't know. You can enjoy Krispy Kreme donuts and wine, I guess. I don't know. But what about fire in the fireplace? Isn't it wonderful? I love a fire in the fireplace. It's the greatest thing in the world. That fire outside the fireplace will burn your house down. See, it's more of what we do with the things, not... In the things themselves. I want to take you back to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. But you were washed. It's talking about some of you were all the things that he just went through. But you were washed, you were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. The next verse says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Isn't that amazing? It goes from saying all these terrible things, terrible choices that people have made. And he says, and some of you were those people. And then this happened. Not all things are Or profitable for you. Don't you see he's saying. That there are choices that you can make. That are still going to build your house on the sand. And when those storms come. When those testing times come. It's going to wipe out everything up from underneath you. And God's like. If you'll just listen to me. If you'll just see my way. I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to give you an abundant life. But the interesting thing for me in this whole, every one of those scenarios we just talked about, was there rejection? Even when he's talking about the whole big verse of First Corinthians 6, was he rejecting anyone? He didn't. If you read the Bible, as I'm reading the Bible, you read with me. He never rejected them. said, okay, you're out there. You got to go. Maybe if you get your act together, you can come back. But I see him talking about all of these different scenarios that people through life choices have built their house on the sand and destructive things have happened to them. Their house keeps falling down because they're not listening to the principles of God. He follows it up. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. All of that's work, right? That doesn't happen just like, boom, one thing happens, and man, it's all done. If you've murdered somebody, you don't just go walk away and go, oh, okay, God, you forgive me? Okay, good, we're we're good. We're, We're all good. If you're a fornicator and you break a whole entire family up, you don't say, okay, let me just say one little prayer and now everything's good, everything's fine, we can just move on with life. There are work steps that need to go through this, being washed, going through sanctification, receiving your justification in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. That's work, but all of that is who, who do you do all of that for? family people who are in the kingdom of God this is your inheritance to have the kingdom of God here and now I don't get an inheritance from someone I'm not in their family the inheritance of a great life an abundant life is available for everyone who is in the family I heard last night when I was driving that a local, well, I won't say local, a southern religion denomination just put two churches on notice, in one in Austin and one, I think, in the Dallas area, that they were allowing people of a homosexual lifestyle, they were inviting them in, hoping they'd find Jesus, and they told them, if you don't do that, we're kicking you out. To me, it's terrible that that happened. That they would make that stand. That they would bring that up and they would vote on it and they would send them a letter. It's even worse that it made the news media that on the top of the hour news cycle, this is what they're blasting out. That this name of religion, this denomination, sent it out and naming out all this stuff. And I'm like, how are we going to reach our world If we keep pushing them out and building walls and saying, no, you've got to stay out there. You're done. As long as you're. So I stepped in poop. It led me to read the Bible. And I walked away from there almost crying. Crying. Because there's so many people that are all lumped into all of these different categories in verse 9 and verse 10. And verse 11 is the most powerful of them all. But such were some of you. So you've heard me say over and over. Doesn't matter what your title is, what your label is, what your thing that you're facing, Church on the Rock, Dallas, you're welcome. You are even accepted here. Now, are we going to say that sin doesn't matter? No, not at all. See, the, the meat of this is there's a place that you can come and you can find repentance. You can find acceptance. You can find washing. You can find sanctification. You can be justified But how does that happen? How do we take those steps? The first step is being in the family and being accepted. When the prodigal son went running down that thing going, I'm just gonna repent before my father, he didn't get there and go, okay, now tell me everything you did wrong and well, we're gonna figure out a way for you to pay him back all the, it wasn't any of that. It was just the hug and said, get him a robe. Go kill the fatted calf. Go accept him back into us. So I've been challenged this past two weeks. And I want to challenge you as well. Can we accept everybody? That whole scripture is talking about judging. The whole thing of 1 Corinthians 6 is talking about judging. Who's going to judge who? What they're going to do? And it gets into this stuff. It reminded me as I was reading it of Jesus when he knelt down with the woman caught in adultery. He's writing stuff on the ground. You think maybe that was some of this were you who were washed? kind of stuff he's writing down, well, hey, we've forgiven you of this and this and this. I tell you that what we see today in these chairs, in the coming weeks, we're going to see more and more of people that just need to be accepted. Because if they're not accepted, we're not going to, there's no working on anybody who's not accepted. I don't go out of my way to take care of somebody that's not my child. Do you? You just randomly just find somebody and say, hey, let me go buy you something. Let me go buy you clothes. I mean, I, I understand being generous to people, but we only take care of people that are our family. That's our goal. Can we accept everybody that walks through these doors and comes and sits down here? No matter what they look like, no matter what their views are, no matter what their thoughts are, no matter if they are deceived, whether or not they're fornicators, they're idolaters, adulterers, they're effeminate, they're homosexuals, thieves, covetous, they're drunks, people who are aggressive, people who are swindling. If they show up here, can we accept them? I'm going to be the first one to say, yes, we will. Because I see that's the heart of God. The heart of God always is coming to here. And once we're in here, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk about being in the kingdom. We'll talk about not building your house on the sand anymore. We're going to say, how about some rock over here? How about building your house in something that's not gonna move? She says, if you hear my words and do them. Listen, if you never get to hear the words, and it's always just the being put off by what people are saying, we'll never have a chance. Will you bow your heads? So my question this morning is what house are you building? I'm asking myself the same one. See, because I can just as easily look at the words of God that says, do what I'm doing. And I'm judging myself to say, I wasn't inclusive to people. I wasn't accepting of people. Father God, I just want to build my house upon the rock. Father, I want us as a whole, as a church, to purpose to build our house on the rock. On the words that you said and to do it. Not just to hear your words and walk out of here and live our lives the way we want to, however we think that we're our own God's. Father God, I pray we take the challenge in this week as we meet people who are in need of a hug, who are in need of being accepted by you, that we'll remember today, Father God, that you made us to want to be accepted. And you have accepted us even before we were close to being acceptable. Before we even got our lives together. And that all have sinned. And we've all fallen short. Such were some of you. Father, I pray that this is a place where people can be washed. And sanctified and justified in your name. And in the spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.